With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Welcome back. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Mike's on now. <laughs> oh, live radio is fun, folks. Anyway, Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins uh, tonight. Also Friday on Monday as well. Reed will be back uh, this coming Tuesday. Tomorrow, Edmonton Elks in action against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we'll have that broadcast for you starting countdown to kickoff 5.30 and the kickoff at 7 o'clock uh, right here on 6.30. Chad Elks trying to break a nine-game losing streak and a 19-game home losing streak. We're all sick and tired of talking about it, but it is what it is. Now, uh, last night when I was uh, updating the Edmonton Riverhawks schedule, um, they're in Kamloops tonight. Uh, now, i got to make sure I have the right... Uh, yeah, I, I got I got the right month, Kellen. There you go. I'm not on June. Oh, I'm yeah, on not, July. Not a repeat from yesterday, eh? So there we go. No, no, that was uh, that was rather embarrassing. Uh, they're in Kamloops tonight to play the North Paws. Uh, yesterday, I uh, was referencing our next guest, Brendan Escott, and, oh, I and remember mistakenly that. said, "Oh, he's from Kelowna." And then when I said it. I knew the uh, screech in my head was going off, and I knew that's not right. And Kellen said, "You be careful. You might make him. You might make the Kamloops boy uh, mad at you." So uh, we bring on the Kamloops <laughs> boy and my very good uh, friend and colleague, uh, Brendan Escott. Hello. Oh hi. Yeah, those are fighting words, Davey. What are you doing, man? <laughs> That is hilarious. I had many a a battle with the Kelowna Rockets Minor Hockey Association in my uh, youth sporting days. So, yeah, I I, I think Kelowna, I see red. I don't blame you. And uh, you know what? You're a Loops boy, and Loops boy's got to represent, and that's just the way it's got to be. And you know what's funny is – I'm just realizing this now. This is just this is just fantastic. Uh, so I had the schedule on June uh, yesterday um, when it's July, but yet around the same time frame they were in Kamloops last week, and I I, mm-hmm. I blurred out Kelowna, so that was rather embarrassing. So I'm sorry, <laughs> Brennan, but uh, truth oh, be told, they are in Kelowna after tomorrow's game in Kamloops. So there you go. And anyway, what a better place um, in the country to be during the summertime, by the way. Like th- those boys between Vancouver Island, they've gotten to explore beautiful P- Pacific Northwest down there in Washington. And and I think they get down to Oregon. But uh, but to be in BC's interior at this time of year is spectacular real estate. So I imagine they're enjoying it. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I've seen you uh, social media. You've been down at uh, Remax Field enjoying some Riverhawks games. Uh, you know, from what I can see, it just seems like a really cool vibe down there. But you've been down there. What, what's your experience? 
Yeah, it's spectacular. I got one game in sort of as a genuine spectator sitting in the bleachers right behind uh, the catcher there. And I mean, it's a 9,200 seat ballpark, I believe. So you're you're truly getting the vibe that you're in a, say, a double A stadium or obviously a triple A stadium is what it was once used as. Um, but the quality of baseball really took me back too, Dave. It's, it's a lot of, you know, college age players is the age range for this, but the quality, the, the river Hawks eked out a couple of wins against some good competition and, and anywhere you seem to be able to take this game in at the ballpark, it's a wicked experience. The, uh, the field that they've invested in is, uh, is nice to look at. It's nestled right in the heart of such a beautiful part of the city and it's all lush with the, uh, the the bridge in the background nicely contrasting everything so there's your sales pitch on a on a Riverhawks game I know we're getting down to the final weeks of the season I highly recommend getting out there and it doesn't really matter what the score is by the time the ball game's over you've just had a good time yeah, absolutely. And they'll be back in town uh, for a, a series starting uh, this coming Tuesday against the Ridgefield Raptors. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's uh, it, it seems like a fun time, and you just got the uh, you just got the firsthand account from uh, from Brendan here. So, so that's great. So, you know, th- this is the kind of vibe that we want at Commonwealth Stadium, obviously, with uh, with uh, the Edmonton Elks as they get ready for yet another home game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and an opportunity for the Elks definitely to uh to beat the tiger cats i think it is there for the taking but the tiger cats are looking back at the elks thinking the same thing but uh i, I was joking with chelsea and part of it's joking and part of it's nervous anticipation brendan but getting ready for an elks home game is uh quite a uh quite an experience from an emotional and mental standpoint i think for a lot of elks fans and i i think for us included i don't disagree with that it's um because we had the two-week layoff, I almost forgot that it is very, very present, a storyline. And I, I was doing a media hit for the Hamilton Audio Network. And, of course, that's the first thing that they want to ask about. And it's the first thing that Orlando Steinauer is asked about when uh, when he's questioned about Edmonton in um, in their media availabilities. So, you know, it's, it's the bulletin board material. But... It is so far and away from the problem with this team. I mean, it's it's uh, one headline in a whole stack of newspapers, even from this season alone. But this dates back, unfortunately, several years. That it just you know it's it's very tough to read. So if the, whether or not it swells to twenty is is like twenty is not really much worse than nineteen. You know, um, mm-hmm. but I suspect at this point, like I, I really don't know how much pressure sure the players themselves could be feeling about this and and we've talked about this on and off the air over the last little while like none of these guys have been here for the whole ride so it's gone on so long that you can only really take so much accountability for 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 each of these players so what they really should be trying to be accountable for and take the pride in is being the ones to snap it and as soon as that happens mm-hmm. maybe that's what shocks this team back to life you know, and Glenn Harper, I had him on the show uh, on Monday night, and uh, we'll play some uh, comments from him. We'll replay some comments from him in the uh, second hour. Um, but, you know, he talked about, and Glenn Harper, of course, uh, you know, longtime CFL punter, uh, especially with uh, with Edmonton, won a great cup here in 1993. And he spoke about, you know what, this team can't be satisfied within a game that, 
they have accomplished something. Maybe they, they you know, l- l- let's throw this example out from last game. So they stop the riders on third down and turn the ball over. And they go, hey, great, you know, hey, we accomplished something great, you know. And then it's kind of like, okay, now it kind of peters out where the bar needs to be set higher with this team. And I think you're right. I mean, you talk about the home losing streak and they look at you and going, I have no idea what you're talking about, which is probably play plays into their advantage. But at the same time, um, perhaps this team just has to set the bar higher that if you accomplish something within a game, you make a big moment happen that instead of being satisfied, you got to kind of build on those moments and, uh, and, and increase your chances of winning finally. Yeah. And fortunately there's been enough positives in these games that you can look and say, I heard you off the top of the show talking about the fact that Cornelius wasn't sacked in that last game for the first time and 17 goes around. Well, that's not only because of the offensive line and it might not have had anything to do with the offensive line. In fact, when you look at the piecemealing they had to do to even start the five in that game, that was Taylor Cornelius getting the ball out of his hands quicker. That was him getting out of the pocket and moving the ball ball uh, with his feet and, and presenting a different look. So, you know, there, there are positive nuggets along the way to sink your teeth into. It, mm-hmm. It's just, as you say, it's got to be, you know, something that your, your best 57 minutes of football should be building you more of a gap than seven or eight points to me. And even when they're talking about the most success that they had and, and, and we are all considering that probably the most successful offensive game that they had this year and it didn't really get them a whole lot of scoring. It got them one red zone appearance and it got them eight points. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's you got to have the continuity here so that they can continue building on what they have, the one foot in front of the other process. The good news For is sure. anytime I'm at the field, Dave, it seems like they're all in pretty good spirits. I say win or lose. There hasn't been wins, so they're all in pretty good spirits uh, despite <laughs> what's going on, and you're not going to get out of it unless you are in a positive mindset. So they will keep yeah. chopping wood this Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, that's been the new phrase this week, that's for sure. But it, it, it is unbelievable that, uh, and I refer to the CFL game notes, uh, they held the advantage in seven categories uh, last week. Uh, fewer turnovers. Uh, the Riders had three. Elks had one. The one happened at the end of the game. So if you look at the timing of the turnovers, the last one obviously was the most severe. They had uh, over 35 minutes time of possession. Better field position, 36-yard line compared to the 32. More big plays. They just said two-to-one advantage for uh, the Elks. And I think more of that was on the ground than in the air. Uh, More yards gained. No sacks allowed. They produced four. Second down conversion rate. I think this is probably a good storyline the last couple of games, especially last game, 57% uh, on the field or uh, second down conversion rate compared to 42% for the riders and one the one area that concerns me brendan is and i talked about this on monday is as well as the elks played with as far as playing a controlled game on offense what did the riders do to get themselves out of trouble they had five passing plays of 20 yards or more including three on the final drive and that's what i think is really missing from the elks offense is the explosion plays is the is the chunk plays that can really flip the field 
Absolutely. And it's not as if they don't have the weaponry to get that done. It's not as if they didn't pay for the weaponry and Dylan Mitchell and Stephen Dunbar, who they're using all over the interior of the field, of course, out of the slot back position. But, you know, they haven't really taken the top off of the defense at all. And that's, as we know, is not something that we can expect from Stephen McAdoo all that often. Uh, I, I just... Mm-hmm. You know, what are you calling more plays now that you're deeper into the season to get these kinds of looks? Well, I would hope so. Dylan Mitchell's got to catch the football too. Kyron Moore has had a couple opportunities for chunk plays and he's dropped the football. So statistics in that sense maybe not lending themselves to the Elks quarterbacks because the wide receiver's been letting them down and and the wide receivers are the one that they've been, you know, paying for to help with those chunk plays. That's really the difference that I see, Dave, when I'm watching other teams come into town or, or Edmonton playing in another barn. It's the other teams are able to highlight and, and sort of pick apart that that mid portion of the Elks defense. They can get through to the second level. And that's where the, mm-hmm. the first downs are to be had. You're not looking for four yards at a time or three yards at a time or trying to dump it, uh, you know, the the. I can't stand to watch another bubble screen. I know I'm not trying to get too deep into the weeds here, but if I watch another bubble screen by the Elks, my head might explode because it just doesn't <laughs> seem like a productive play. Throw the ball past the first down marker and you'll yeah. get a first down. you got to trust the guys that you spent the money on, right? And and so yeah. far, Dunbar Jr. has been as advertised and I'd like to see a lot more out of the other guys, that being Dylan Mitchell and, and Kyron Moore because Maurice French off the practice roster this season has outplayed Dylan Mitchell. If you had no idea what was happening in, in a CFL season with the Elks and someone came up to you and said, Dylan Mitchell has seven catches for 38 yards, and you go, so like in a quarter? No, through five games. You would go, are you nuts? <laughs> it's just, it's probably the most baffling thing, perhaps, and there's several baffling areas on this team, but that has to be that has to be number one in my opinion is the fact that this explosive receiver last year has been non-existent and I don't understand why and you can't blame it all on the quarterback in my opinion. No, certainly not. As I mentioned, like he's been one who uh, Mitchell, I'm saying is I, there's been drops. There's been catches out there that he has not caught. Uh, the very first ball that he got his hands on this season was caught like five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he got absolutely blown up in week mm-hmm. one. And it was it was for loss. And it was, you know, not nice to look at. And I don't know that he's been the same since. And it's silly to think that one play would, would uh, you know, impact the player's confidence. I'm not. I'm I'm not trying to make that case, but I just, I, maybe it is a matter of trying to force feed a little bit more in that direction. And, and without Gino Lewis going downfield, you have the opportunity to do that. So that's the different look that you can go for. Maybe you're not dink and dunking the ball. And then the different look is Stephen Dunbar. Maybe you're Stephen Dunbaring the ball. And then the different look is Dylan Mitchell. And suddenly you've got a big play of 40 yards or so. I mean, if you think, back to the game that they won last year Dave he had double the amount of yards on one reception that he has through five games this year that's that's right yeah, it, it certainly is. Brendan Escott joining us, the host of Edmonton Elks football broadcast here on 630 Chad, also the producer of Oilers Now on 630 Chad. And uh, I want to transition, talk last couple of minutes about the Oilers and some interesting developments around the league that might affect Evan Bouchard, that might affect 
uh, Ryan McLeod's contract as well, and his arbitration hearing is uh, early August, and hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But Keandre Miller signs a deal with the New York Rangers, and it's a cap at around $3.87 million. Uh, interesting discussion about how that could f- really affect Bouchard's contract and what Ryan McLeod's number might end up. Well, uh, we are certainly, we were waiting for a couple of dominoes to fall in the Oilers world before um, Bouchard's contract. Is it going to be one year? Is it going to be two? And is, is what is the dollar value left over after this McLeod arbitration case that you can even give to Bouchard? I mean, he established in playoffs that he is going to be uh, a very serious part of your plans moving forward. So what happened is Bowen Byram of the Colorado Avalanche signs a deal that pays him $3.75 million, I think, over to, uh, per year over two years. But he's been mm-hmm. on the injured reserve with concussion issues, and he's he's really not been in the lineup despite being a fourth overall pick. So that's kind of like, okay, well, if he got that kind of money and Bouchard's meant all that he has meant to Edmonton, what is what is he going to command per year? And then fortunately for Oilers fans and for Bouchard, Keandre Miller, who plays 21 regular uh, 21 minutes a game in the regular season, um, which is like five more than Bouchard, and uh, he plays a lot of it five on five, has a few more points five on five over the span of their careers. So when you're looking at comparables, uh, that actually has knocked the price down a little bit because Miller theoretically is even more valuable to the Rangers than Bouchard is to the Oilers. And he got a little bit less relative to what we thought Bowen Byram got from Colorado. So what does this all mean? I think it's going to slot Bouchard in somewhere, uh, hopefully around the 3.75, in between 3.75, 3.8. And I would be very surprised if, Ryan McLeod's arbitration case got as far as seeing the arbitration room. I mean, that's that's nobody wants it to get that far to where you're uh, you're claiming that yeah you're a great part of our franchise, but here's all the reasons I don't want to pay you the money that you think yeah. you're worth. So uh, I sus- I suspect there will be a happy medium, um, but that's essentially the breakdown. Uh, my understanding for the Oilers is you're looking at about five point eight million dollars total per year to pay those two players. So however you want to divvy it up, it's probably going to break down somewhere around 1.4 for McLeod and 1.8 or sorry, uh, uh, where are we at? Four, 3.8. There we go. 3.8. Yeah, there you go. Shard. <laughs> okay. It'll be interesting. Lots of number crunchy going on right now. And uh, well, yes. we'll see what happens. Yeah, you betcha. We'll see what happens tomorrow at uh, Commonwealth as well. Brandon, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure, Dave. Thanks. That is Kamloops very own Brendan Escott. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, the first semifinal is in the books at the uh, Football Canada Cup here in Edmonton at Foot Field. A 36-yard field goal at the end of the game. Saskatchewan downs Ontario 15-12, to so Saskatchewan will be into the uh, final at Commonwealth on Saturday night. 
Looking for their fourth straight Canada Cup title, Ontario will battle for bronze on Saturday. Alberta will take on Quebec uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, thereabouts, at Footfield for their second semi-final. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Speaking of text, Keller, what do you got? Heating up a little bit, Davey. Heating up a little bit at uh, Footfield and uh, also. So on the text line here, a lot of Elks chatter going into the game tomorrow night. So we'll uh, start with Ricky here on the text line. He says, here's a positive. They say defense wins championships. The Elks D is pretty good. So there's that. The return game is also above average despite one gaffe. Uh, There is nowhere to go but up. That's from Ricky. Yeah, I would uh, say the defense definitely gives you hope. Uh, special teams kind of fallen off the last couple games. I mean, when you get almost 300 yards combined return yards uh, from C.J. Sims, you're not going to get that every game, but I do think there's some hope there. It's the offensive side of the ball, I think, that has to really step up. Mm-hmm. Cowtown Bob uh, texted in. And by the way, I got uh, Cowtown Bob's previous text to, uh, that he sent uh, to all of us uh, as well. And we appreciate that as well. But this is the one I want to key in on from Cowtown Bob. He says, hi, Dave. I remember the tough times for the double E in the 1960s. Uh, our bright lights were a running back named Jim Longgon Thomas that took many handoffs to the end zone in very exciting fashion. We also had a great defensive lineman by the name of John Legrone. He was tough and frequently sacking the opposing team's QB. The Elk will win tomorrow night. It will be a party at Commonwealth Stadium. I implore everyone to join the fun at the stadium. The team needs your support, and I second his text. Yes, go out there and have fun tomorrow. I like it, Cowtown Bob. I like it a lot. And uh, this team hasn't won a lot in the last, uh, well, read his document. It wasn't now 9-36, and 36, mm-hmm. something like that, over the last... Uh, was it three and a half seasons I guess well since the midpoint of 2019 when they were six and three right uh, and looking pretty good so is there another quick one you got uh no you can come back to me a little bit later on I'm just uh getting them in right now send them keep them coming yeah we'll talk more about the uh the Elks we'll play some comments from Glenn Harper who I had on the show on Monday and uh, had some really good points about belief versus doubt and raising the bar and about the kicking game of Team Faithful who would have helped if he nailed a field goal or both of them in the uh, loss against the Riders. And we'll introduce you to a couple of amateur boxers that are from uh, around uh, the Edmonton area. Ethan Halabi and Vanessa Bradford. Campbell in for Wilkins this week on 630 Chet Inside Sports. 